Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Tons of great podcasts in the feed. Uh, we did an emergency podcast when Luke Keekley retired. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today. Um, we also did a, pod, a non-emergency podcast. I want to make that clear. A non-emergency podcast with Brady Quinn. He uh, contractually refuses to do emergency podcasts. It's, it's a joke. Go listen to the Brady Quinn football show. You'll hear about it. Joining me today... My new favorite quarterback, Brady out, Danny in, Danny Cannell, FSU legend, former NFL player, CBS Sports HQ star, and a man who I spotted on the field at the national championship game. Oh, you did? How, now, how did this come? Like, was it just like on a like a background of some shot, or was it the picture of because uh, Joe Burrow was wearing his signature hat? What does the, that hat say? What that? Uh, it's, it's the same moniker that Nick Foles had, except instead of Big Blank Nick, it's Big Blank Joe. So yeah. that's what it said. And there was a picture of him, and then I was kind of in the background. It looked like I was harassing him, which I was trying to get an uh, interview with him. So maybe that was the shot. Um, so the – no, it was – well, we, I spotted two CBS Sports personalities. And I, I think you were, you were doing um, – I don't, I don't know if you were – anyway. You were on the field. I saw Dennis Dodd goes yep. up and like goes to interview Ed Orgeron at right after the game. And Ed's order coach Joe's there with his wife and like, Oh, puts this meat hook around Dodd. Like they've been like old for, and maybe they've known each other for 40 years. I'm sure they have, but it, uh, that, that was happening. And then, um, right after, I think it was right after O's interview with ESPN, like the immediate, you know, in the, in the wake t- uh, title interview, uh, they cut to somebody, they cut like to another shot and you were right back there with a producer. Uh, it looked like a producer. She had like a headset on, something like that. I, I don't know. But it, I, I was like, there's Danny. Were you wearing a that- turtleneck or tie? I did not go with a turtleneck. I went a little too casual. I had like a t-shirt on with a jacket. I was over by Odell Beckham with my handout trying to get some of the handouts he was handing out, those wads of cash. Was That's that real, I- real or fake money? <laughs> Depends on who you ask. <laughs> yeah. If you ask LSU for NCAA purposes, it was fake. They got that out. They got that out there quick. Um, accepted it at the bars that night though. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You can pay for, you can pay in New Orleans. You can pay with anything. It was, it was hilarious to see how, like, I mean, you forget that. I don't think we saw it quite as much from the Super Bowl, maybe. And maybe it's because it was all LSU fans sort of in their home state, but like the, the, the like very visible hangover was real following, following oh. like, physical hangover was very real it was so it is totally like vegas i mean you can only do 48 hours and i was there since friday so i had well over 48 hours and i had back-to-back nights now i'm in dad mode like i got three kids like i'm usually in bed by 10 i'm exhausted you know i get up early and start the routine all again i didn't have any kids so i started to get out and then it's also like vegas where you kind of forget what time it is once Mm -hmm. you start going on bourbon street because it's so bright and there's so much action and energy one of the nights I looked down and I thought it was 11. I was like, ooh, it's getting late. And it was actually one. And I was like, okay, this is how, this is how people roll in New Orleans. 
And uh, yeah, the, the airport scene was like sad Clemson fans who were hurting and then just hurting LSU fans who were still on cloud nine. So they still had that energy where they you could just tell there was some some Advil and a lot of even that was the next day drinking to kind of heal the, the, the hangover at the airport was taking place. Yeah, I saw when we were leaving the Super Bowl in New Orleans back in um, it was a Ravens back in the 2000 whatever the 2012 season because it was Ravens 49ers. There was like I, I I didn't realize you could you can just flat out drink anywhere in the airport. You know, like usually at a standard airport you have to go to a bar and you can get your beer and you can sit in that bar. But I don't think unless I missed something, you can't just like saunter around with like a giant glass of alcohol anywhere in the in, in an airport. New Orleans, you can do whatever the hell you want. You can walk through the streets. Yeah, you, walk, you know, there's no law against intoxicant. But like I saw some dude running through the terminal and just puke everywhere. It's like all right, cool. Saints, yeah. uh, I've threw daiquiris. You can get those. So that, that should explain it all in a nutshell. Absolutely. Um, okay. So let's dive into, uh, something other stuff because I'm actually going to write a story about this because I think it is interesting. You are the first person I saw to tweet about it and I actually thought it was kind of incredulous. I don't think that it's, um, I don't think that it's viable. I don't think it, well, I shouldn't say viable. Anyway, Joe Burrow, LSU champion, BD Joe. Uh, broke 60 passing touchdowns last year, is going first overall. I don't think there is any question about that. But I do think it is worthwhile to ask, should a team like the Carolina Panthers, which is the team that you threw out there. So let me ask you this, Danny. Do you think the Carolina Panthers should mortgage their future, having just hired Joe Brady, Joe Burrow's passing game coordinator at LSU, should they mortgage their future and go try to trade for Joe Burrow? It's a great – so I I – You'd have to have some, you know, you'd have to have a BD Tepper or whatever. Yeah. We, you know, you know that David Tepper in his in his hedge fund, Appaloosa Management, he actually had. I don't, do you know about this? He had a literal set of giant brass testicles on his desk. I I was aware of his hedge fund history. I was not aware of that specific fact, but that's what it would take. But I also feel like they've kind of gone, and I think they go one of two directions, Will, because I think there are two distinct uh, directions you could go. Um, the first being real quick is you could kind of, because especially with Keekley retiring, like I put out the tweet before Keekley was retiring. Yeah. But now with that news, like I think you try to unload. Um, you don't take a quarterback this year, and maybe and you go all in on the tank, and you tank for Trevor Lawrence, and that's one avenue. Or say, you know what? I don't want to do that to my fan base. I want to try to win now, or at least in the near future. And I want to go all in with my franchise quarterback. And if you have that mindset, I think it is worth it. I do think out of the past, like I was trying to think about which quarterback Joe Burrow will grade above. And I think it's everybody. I think since Andrew Luck, he'll have the strongest grade um, you know, when you look at Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, it's not exactly a great list. Now, Andrew Luck was like the most surefire thing. Yeah. But even, and then previously, like, I think he should be evaluated that way. So I think, and, and you're going to hear a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of hot takes and people will try to knock them, say it was a one hit wonder. Please do not overthink this. This guy just laid down the most impressive season we've seen against the best competition. He's got every single asset you would want, arm strength. Football IQ, um, you know, uh, swagger, a, a swagger off the charts, athleticism. He's probably going to run a four seven or sub four seven forty. So he's got more. He can play today's game where you have to make some plays with your legs. 
So I hope people don't overthink it and say, oh, he's, you know, he's had all these talent around him. So if that's the case, which I think it is, and if you're David Tepper and you just went all in on Matt Rule and gave him this massive contract, say you're our future, and then you went and got the best offensive coordinator or offensive mind, I don't know if it's the best, but the hottest in Joe Brady, why wouldn't you continue to go all in and do whatever it takes? Now, I sent out the, tra- you know, the trade proposition, which I knew it was going to get mocked, or but I wanted to at least open up the dialogue. And if you're Carolina and you call Cincinnati, I think that's the first option that you lay out there is hey what was what was your i don't i, I mean I, I saw the tweet i like purposely didn't respond to the tweet because i wanted no. to talk about it on here what was the trade offer you put out there so i just put out and it was very it was a very blanket statement but yeah. i said if you're the carolina panthers hold on i'll read it to you I'll, I'll bring it up here can the panthers find a way to trade cam newton plus picks so it was very broad to get up to number one and select burrow think you could sell it to all parties if the package is sweet enough. Now, I don't think that package is going to be sweet enough for the Bengals. I don't I think I think the Panthers would say yes if we if we could unload Cam Newton and yeah. a couple, you know, second and a third, then yes. It clearly would take more than that. And then I was thinking about it. I didn't want to get too crazy cuz you know, you get skewered out there, but and, and here's the issue like that you run into is you already and I was going to say do you float Christian McCaffrey? You know, do you float him out there as an option? And I hear your reaction, and it is kind of laughable because he's such an incredible young talent, but he is a running back, and I don't think you're going to find another Christian McCaffrey, but I do think you could find another really good back in the draft in maybe the third or fourth round, as we've proven over the last decade. Now, there have been some, you know, some difference makers in Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott, but you need a difference maker at quarterback infinitely more than you do at running back. So maybe that's the piece that all of a sudden it's Cam Newton plus Christian McCaffrey and maybe you don't have to give up any picks because you're saying, hey, he was a, you know, I forget what pick he was, six or seven or wherever it was in the top ten, plus a former MVP. Like, and I, I think then you could make it intriguing to all parties involved and then you've got your quarterback. And there would be some Carolina Panther fans who would be livid because they know what, you know, Christian McCaffrey's been awesome, but by position, you, you know, look at the Giants. Saquon Barkley hasn't saved the Giants by any means yet. Is Zeke's, Zeke's been close, but he hasn't taken them over the hump. The only position that can take your team to the next level is quarterback. So why don't you approach this value in the draft as such? To be clear, I wasn't, I was not laughing at your proposition. I was sort of laughing evilly. Like I kind of liked that, but uh, I don't think the Bengals will do it because they have Joe Mixon. But I mean, I like, I agree with the construct and, McCaffrey's about to be due a contract. Are you really going to get like you, you're going to have to pay him more than Zeke Elliott? He just led the league in, in yards from scrimmage. I mean, he's he's incredible. He's a stud. I mean, like you're going to have to pay him a ton of money. And I mean, it, it's a quarterback. I had um so I had a a, a podcast listener DM me. Uh, his name's Garrett with a bunch of numbers after it. And he he this is like last night around midnight. So I mean, I don't know if he saw your tweet or not, but he's like, what about this? Panthers get 2020 first overall pick. Bengals get 2020. Number seven, 2021 first and 2022 first. And I think that is probably where you have to start if you're the Panthers because remember in 2012, there's a story Mike Holmgren told later on KJR when he was with the Seahawks. Or no, I guess he was just appearing on KJR with like, uh, with Softy Mailer. But he, um, he was, uh, he said, uh, he was sitting there sipping a lemonade at the owners meetings out in Arizona. And was talking to, uh, Ryan Grigson, the Colts GM at the time, and Holmgren was running the Browns. He said, I'll give you my whole draft for the, for luck. 
And Gregson was like, <laughs> no. Like, what? Are you serious? Like, what? No. <laughs> um, and then, of course, famously, the Redskins had to part with three first round picks and a second round pick to go up and get RG3. So I think that, that that's the curious thing for me is like, would the Panthers be willing to do that? Should they do it? And would the Bengals actually take it? I think the answer is probably no, maybe, and maybe. Like, I think the Bengals would definitely think about it. I actually didn't know that you would go with the tr- tank for Trevor thing. To me, that's way more interesting because if you look at David Tepper's history with Appaloosa management, what he loves to do is rescue distressed assets. That's what, like, he would, he would go into markets where certain investment assets were in bad shape. He would buy them up and then he would wait and, and let them recover. Like, you know, when the stock market craps the bed eventually, everyone should go out and buy blue chip stocks. Like when the stock market crashes, go buy Apple because it's really low and it'll raise back up. You know, you have to have money saved up to do it, but it, you know, probably worth it. Like go buy blue chip stocks when the market crashes. And that's sort of what I could see David Tepper doing, being like, all right, look, we trade Cam. Keekley's gone. We got, we got nothing to work with. We'll roll with Will Greer in 2020. If it sucks, it sucks, and people won't ever bug us about Will Greer again. And if we're the worst team in football, then Trevor Lawrence is ours if he's willing to come out. And all of a sudden, you have Trevor Lawrence, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Ian Thomas. And, I mean, that's a, you're cooking with gas right there. Exactly. And that's where I do think – that was my – like, before the game, it was really before I saw Burrow kind of change my mind. And he, I don't know what took me so long because I've always been, well, Trevor's the better quarterback. Um, I still think he is, but, I mean, I – I don't know that it's either one's a guarantee. Oh, they never are. I mean, as much as I strong a take as I can give on Joe Burrow and my belief in him, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bet a large amount of money. Although some GM's going to have to bet his job, but it's so obvious you won't even get faulted for it. If you, you know, when you take him number one, you're not going to get faulted for it. But you're right. There's a 50-50 every single time. The only thing, so here's where I've changed on, you know, uh, Burrow over Trevor Lawrence is he's been in an NFL passing attack and he's, he, he excels at the line of scrimmage more than a quarterback we've seen in recent memory. And I would say probably since Andrew Luck, again, with the concepts, with the weight on his shoulders, with the checks at the line of scrimmage, with and he knows where to go with the football. The touchdown pass he threw in the championship game to Thaddeus Moss in the second quarter, I believe, right before he got blasted in the ribs, like that was an, a, an average, not even above average quarterback maybe doesn't realize I'm going to get through my progression and then get to Thaddeus Moss before he gets destroyed. Like an average quarterback, he would still be processing. Mm-hmm. But that's where it's like almost Breeze-like, like Drew Breeze and playing in the same system. He knows exactly where to go to the football. Where's my guy that's going to be open better than most? And Trevor Lawrence, I don't love the the Clemson offense. And I think it was on display in the championship game. It's way more collegiate in its feel and in its concepts and in what they ask him to do, and that's you know, and I'm sure he'll he'll develop just fine. But there is that aspect of how does he play within an NFL system? And with Joe Burrow, there is no question. We've seen him do it this year. I love it. All right, I'm going to write a story about this and use this podcast as a uh, a jumping off point. We got to take a quick break, and when we come back. We're going to look at some of the conference championship storylines. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I don't know why I pronounce conference championship like that before the break. Sometimes it happens like it's, uh, well, Danny, you get it because you're, you're, you're a Florida guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is from Jacksonville. And, uh, and so like my mom had this stringent belief that I shouldn't talk like a North Carolinian as a kid, like. Like my, like everyone here says all and iron and she was <laughs> petrified of me talking like that. So I would have to say like I iron and oil. Um, and so sometimes like I get like a little random, like Yankee in like, like Florida Yankee influx into my voice. Um, I love it. Also, my family is split between FSU and Florida, which is always fun at, uh, at, well, I at, feel bad for the Seminoles in there the last couple of years because they're going to be getting abused. Yeah, but um, I would I would go down to Jacksonville every Thanksgiving as a kid, and so we would watch Florida FSU, and like I mean, it was, I would sit with my grandfather and like sit there and watch like it was starting like you know I mean, shoot, you were there I mean Charlie you know the Charlie Ward days like the heyday of like FSU. I yeah. I became an FSU fan over Florida because like I you know we're like in law types and my uncle Rick was the big FSU fan so we jumped anyway. Long story short, um or long story long whatever uh. You know that the conference championships are actually not the only mega sports action this weekend. Conor McGregor is back in the octagon with UFC 246 taking place in Las Vegas. I didn't realize that was this weekend. Hell yeah. And the State of Combat podcast has you covered with previews and interviews all week. Plus, just like us, they react instantly after the action on Saturday night. Danny, I know you're a gambling man yourself. Uh, Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans says, no matter the odds, take Conor McGregor because this one could be won. It could be done early. What do you think? Conor McGregor? Yay, nay? Wow. I'll tell you this. I was fortunate enough to interview Conor McGregor in, uh, in person and meet him in person. There are only a couple interviews that I've ever done where I've generally been intimidated, where if I ask the wrong thing, is he going to beat the crap out of me or lose it on me? McGregor was one. You know who else I would put up there that kind of was just so quirky and weird? I just didn't know where the interview was going to go. Was Les Miles when he was the head coach at LSU? Like it was so random, and there was a there was a part of me that was like, "Where are we even going with this conversation?" And then I was scared to bring it back because I thought there was a chance he could flip out on me. Like it was the weirdest thing. You know who else qualifies that? Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, for sure. Because yeah. you're like looking him in the eyes. You're like, "Oh my God, there's nothing there." Like I mean, not like there's nothing there, but you're like, "I can't. You can't." I can't tell what he's thinking. He might, he might punch me. He might like slap me on the back. He might hand me a glass of milk. Like cook, like who, who knows what the hell's going to happen. Um, either way, McGregor, try and uh, make sure and download and subscribe to the state of combat podcast. Brian Campbell killing it there. Wherever you find your podcast, same place as pick six, go get it, go get some uh, info so you can bet on uh, Conor McGregor. Um, Conference championship weekend. Who's been more disrespected this season? Who's been more? But the question is, who's been the bigger a holes on Twitter? 49ers oh. fans or Packers? No, I'm just kidding. Um, 49ers fans and Packers fans have been at me the last two days. It's I don't I don't like it. The hate is the hate is out there. Who's been more disrespected this season though? The 49ers or the Packers? I think it's easy. I think it's the Packers. And, and I'm I'm I 
I'm so tired of Richard Sherman, and yet I get, and I don't want to let him get under my skin because I know that's exactly what he wants to do. But I think the 49ers have been getting plenty of love all season long, and I think the Packers have been totally fine under radar. Like it wasn't that long; it was probably four or five weeks ago when Aaron Rodgers sat up there and was saying, uh, you know, hey, I don't, I think we're we're flying under the radar, and I don't think anybody's paying attention to us. And everybody was like, didn't even like, yeah, he's right, but oh, what about everybody else in the league? And it kind of was just blatantly ignored. And I feel like there are a lot of 49ers backers out there and deservedly. So they've been playing great, but I feel like the Packers are still a team that no one is giving enough credit to. And you know, there's there, it's funny, both conference championship games this weekend have the exact same line at seven and a half. Mm-hmm. And yet I feel like that's yet another sign of disrespect for the Packers. I mean, when was the last time we had a 13 and three team uh, in the regular season, that was a total afterthought. Like, I don't think anybody out there um, in podcast land, Radioville, T, wherever you want to go, I did not hear anybody touting the, the Packers to win the Super Bowl in a wide open year when you really could make the case for a lot of different teams. And yet I heard a lot of people saying, hey, 49ers, they may be young, but they've got something special. The Saints had Drew Brees and Sean Payton. You know, like it just and, and even I feel like the Vikings got more love in the own in their own division, even though they didn't come close to competing with them. I I absolutely think it's the Packers. I tend to agree with you. And by the way, I'm picking the 49ers straight up against the spread, not to spoil it. You can listen to our pick show that'll be out on Friday with Pete Prisco and RJ White. We'll have props, uh, best bets, etc. I gotta tell you, I'm one and seven straight up in the playoffs right now. It, I mean, how is that? How the f is that even possible? It's, it's it's embarrassing. I'm like I'm I'm like borderline in George Costanza mode where I'm trying to pick. I'm like, okay, if I'm thinking this, what like what am I really thinking, and how can I go with the opposite of it? I mean, that's that's a that's the dark spot that I'm in right now. That's never a healthy spot. And I've had some of those runs and even actually tried to do that one. And then, of course, that's the moment that it flips and all of a sudden your original thought was right. That never fails when that happens. Yeah, and obviously I had Clemson huge in the next <laughs> So did I, but one of the best hedges I ever got was at 17-7 uh, when LSU was down. I picked him up at plus 130 to win the game on the money line. Best hedge I've ever gotten. Now, I, I basically broke even on, on the game because I was heavily uh, heavily on the Clemson side as well getting six but I did I was like you know what if I can get LSU and there was a chance I could have won both and I thought at 17-7 I thought there was a great chance maybe they come back and win by a field goal and of course they come back and blow them out but at least I didn't lose my shirt so you were banging the live bet button in the press box oh absolutely right. I don't know you 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 just flown past Brady on my favorite CBS Sports <laughs> HQ quarterback rankings yes I have um, Serious problems that are out there. And by the way, I will be on the opposite side of you on this 49ers game. There is no way I'm going against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, even though I think they're outmanned at a lot of positions, I think the 49ers are more talented. But seven and a half points to me feels way too much in a playoff game. Okay, let me ask you this then. What do you do? So there's a Brandon Thorne of, uh, of Establisher Run, I think, it had a great clip out there about how the Seahawks, and you can see it on like, you know, if you saw the, the Shaq Griffin, the Griffin brothers sack, uh, or Clowney getting after Rogers, they did these loops. Like, I don't think, I don't think they're really stunts or anything. They're just like the bendy loop pass rushers and the loopers, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm a little worried that the Packers don't have enough juice to counteract what the 49ers can bring in terms of a rush. So offensively, what would you expect the Packers to do against the 49ers? And like, additionally, I mean, not to get into the, 
like, I mean, you know, the legacy aspect of this for Aaron Rodgers is enormous. Like he's eight quarters away from winning his second Super Bowl. He would, all the criticism that's been levied against him and Mike McCarthy and his Packers and underachieving would be out of the door very quickly if he plays the way he played against Seattle for the next eight quarters and they win the Super Bowl. So that was two very different questions. Sorry. <laughs> yes. As far as the plan goes, I would almost go back to the Mike McCarthy era offense where you had a lot of quick game in there. And one of Aaron Rodgers' favorite throws that he loves to make is the quick slant, like double slants on both sides or maybe double slants on one side and another option on the other side. He loves that route combination. It takes some of the pressure off your offensive line. And yet knowing that the 49ers are not going to let him sit back and pick him apart, at some point Aaron Rodgers is going to have to be special and he's going to have to buy himself some time and figure, and this is where he bailed out Mike McCarthy's system forever, which I think clearly Aaron Rodgers was tired of doing, saying, all right, I'm tired of bailing you out. I want to do my own thing. But it is one thing that makes him so special. And he did, you know, it's funny because they barely escaped out of there. And I had no problem with the Seahawks uh, punting it away with, you know, I think it was three minutes left when they punted it away or maybe less. And they punted away with two timeouts because they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They forced them to third and long situations. There was the third and eight and third and nine. And what happened? Aaron Rodgers happened. And those are the, t- and on the one, the first one that he made where he was dropping back, he was giving ground and then just dropped the perfect little post, you know, like kind of a little corner route, uh, um, right perfectly thrown. Yeah. Those are the types of plays he's going to have to make. He's going to have to make plays under duress. But I also think the quack, the, the quick passing game, is something that excels under two. So that's what I would kind of expect them to do. And maybe even a healthy dose of some misdirection, some screens, some draws, some delays, where you can use the aggressive nature of the San Francisco pass rush against them and at least keep them on their toes a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. So, like, the I was uh, DMing with uh, Jim Lanzone. Um, yeah, humble brag. And, right. uh, <laughs> and uh, no, he's a 49ers fan. We were talking about the – he was like, who do you think – like, what, we're just – Go back and forth against the Vikings 49ers. And I pointed out, I was like, I think that the Vikings can get a lead early if they bootleg Cousins and run a bunch of screens and, you know, use that. And they just didn't do it. But, like, you can bootleg Rodgers and let, like, I think it's really important for the, for the, for the Packers to do the opposite of what the Seahawks did against the Packers, which is, like, they have to go against their tendencies. Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur worked for Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Kyle Shanahan worked for Mike Pettin. He knows this coaching staff really, really well. And I think that they will be prepared to see whatever it is the Packers typically do. So in my opinion, it would behoove the Packers not to come in and try and do whatever they think they do best. They, they don't need to do that. This 49er team is really good. Don't try and come in and outmuscle them. You got to come in and surprise them a little bit. Like I think if the Seahawks had done that against Green Bay, they could have won. Um, but I really think it's, it's ultimately going to come down to, we saw Aaron Rodgers seven and nine on third down, six first downs on those on those plays, uh, 121 passing yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, one sack. Devontae Adams had eight catches for eight first downs. If that connection works like that, and Aaron Rodgers makes the dime throws that he made that whole time, like I think they can make a Super Bowl run. And I mean, I don't think he's going to get involved in the. Tom Brady, you know, is he the greatest of all time discussion? But it, that second Super Bowl does a lot in terms of a validation factor. Oh, a hundred percent agree. You, you all of a sudden you get that list of guys who have won one. Um, and clearly this is not rocket science. The list of ones who have won two reduces dramatically. And then you, then you kind of validate 
I, I imagine what it means to him. And this is the competitive nature of quarterbacks. And this is why I think it's fascinating if Brady would ever leave Belichick. But you don't think it bothers Aaron Rodgers that, you know, Mike McCarthy would get some credit for it and what it would mean for him because you know he wanted him out of there for him to be able to validate that because he gets, and I think he deserves some criticism for running off Mike McCarthy. If you win a Super Bowl now without him, that's saying, hey, I was right all along. Like, see, maybe we could have won more if you guys would have listened to me ahead of hand. And I think that's where you're standing. I want to hit on a quick point you had, you said about how you have to do something completely different. When I played for Mike Shanahan, and it's funny, Kyle Shanahan was actually like a 23-year-old just out of college, like kind of helping with practice during training camp. And he was, you know, kind of get, trying to get into coaching. He was very young at the time. But, you know, he was there. And, and um, Mike Shanahan, there would be game plans where we would come in and we would be like, what offense is this? Like, we would, it would be totally new of anything we had done, and he would implement new schemes that weren't in our playbook, or he would implement things that we hadn't used in the playbook in over six weeks. And that's exactly what you're talking about. I think Kyle Shanahan does this offensively, and I think the 49ers would be, you know, they're obviously going to do something different defensively as well, but they'll have a specific different plan so that you do not know how to prepare for it. And it was amazing. I never, like, we'd come out there and we'd have a four tight end you know, specialty package that we were just going to run the ball almost exclusively in the entire game. Like, well, and they had found a weakness in the opponent that they were going to say, you know what? We don't care if we haven't done it in five weeks. This is going to work. And most of the times it did. Man, you were on the, what, 03 or 04 Broncos? Is that right? Yeah, with Jake Plummer. I was backing up Jake at the time. And Gary Kubiak was the offensive coordinator. And that was, you know, Shannon Sharp and Rod Smith. And uh, it was Ashley Lilly. Yes. Yes. Portis. Uh, yeah, exactly. My man, Clint Portis. I got a story for you for Clint Portis if we have time. Uh, yeah, we, we have time for Clint Portis story. Screw we, Ryan Tannehill and the Chiefs. <laughs> we went to, um, we went to Houston and a training camp, like, you know, hey, we're going to practice against you guys and, you know, in training camp. So we traveled to Houston and we were going to stay there three nights and then play them in the preseason game. But it was going to be this inner squad scrimmage that we were going to have for three days. So we're, we're getting ready to go. And we're getting ready to leave Denver and Mike Shanahan's at the, at given like a, you know, a pre, uh, trip speech and kind of getting us ready. And he's, t- he's basically telling us, look, this is not a fun trip. This is a work trip. It's still training camp. And he's going on and on about these rules. He's like, I don't want to see you guys out in the town. He's like, I don't want to see any girls come into your room. Remember, this is a work trip. And so the meeting breaks and everybody's like, all right, well, no problem. We're, we're going to go, you know, we got, it's still training camp. So we go to our quarterback room and this is, I think we broke for like lunch and then we came back to meetings and we get to our quarterback room and Kubiak is sitting in the chair and he's kind of like chuckling as we're walking in and we're like, what's up? You know, and he's like, he's like, you guys are never going to believe what just happened. And we're like, what? And he said, so he was in the coach's room with Mike Shanahan. They had congregated on their own and Clinton Portis goes into his office and says, coach, I can respect it. We're going on a business trip, but you can't expect me to go four days without any <laughs> can you? <laughs> oh, that, CP is one of the all-time greats. He's such a good dude, man. I love the dude to death. He's awesome, man. He was oh, such a, my God. That is gold. <laughs> your head coach like that, it's unbelievable. But he was like, I don't care. I'm going to tell it like it is. And you know what? I don't have any, uh, I don't have any corroboration on this. But I'm pretty sure Mike Shanahan looked his head the other way when we were in Houston for Clinton Portis's room check. <laughs> I would too. Also, it's like, you know, you could stay in your room. And, yeah, exactly. You know, 
Like, you yeah. don't have to go out. <laughs> Typically, there are no girls allowed in your room, but I think that was exactly the, the point that Clinton Portis was making. He's like, don't check mine because they're going to be in there. <laughs> don't don't if they, put a tie on his door. The old yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Titans and uh, Titans and Chiefs. Ryan Tannehill, can you imagine a, what's the bit? What would be bigger in your mind? Ryan Tannehill potentially winning a Super Bowl in Miami, like less than a decade after they drafted him with the number eight overall pick. By the way, right one pick before Luke Keekley, oddly enough, um, or Andy Reid's first Super Bowl. Uh, I think the crazier storyline clearly is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, and I think it would be far more unlikely. I, you know, I mean, obviously these aren't exactly crazy statements I'm making. It would, uh, living down here in South Florida, there are a lot of Dolphins fans who are just exasperated right now. And they're thinking, how could this happen? And it's pretty easy how it happens. When you have Derrick Henry, who has totally changed the complexion of this team, especially in the playoffs, but he was a big reason for their success in the 10-game stretch that Tannehill was coming on going into the playoffs. But when you run for 180 yards plus, something that's never been done in the playoffs before, three straight games, it's it's remarkable. And it takes such a load off of Tannehill. I mean, he hasn't gone over 100 yards. He's been single di- or double-digit passing yards the last two games. They are not asking him to do anything and he did have two nice throws. I mean, the, the, the post throw for the touchdown was an exceptional throw. But when the pressure's so off you where even if you miss that throw, you can fall back on the run game and just grind out the clock. And this is where I think the Titans have somewhat of a chance. In the middle of the season with the Chiefs, and it was early in the season, I think it was the Colts and Texans who beat them back-to-back early. And it was like, oh, they figured out the formula to beat the Chiefs. And it very much was keep the ball away from them. And that was when the Chiefs defense was getting crushed and they were thinking, hey, maybe this, you know, what happened to all those, what happened to adding Tyron Matthew and supposedly bolstering this defense? And both the Colts and Texans held it for like 39 minutes of the time of possession. It feels like this Titans team is more capable than either of those two teams that did it in the regular season. So why wouldn't they be able to do it on this stage? The thing is, I still think even if they can control the time of possession, the the hit rate for the Chiefs' offense is still going to be too much. Like I still think they'll score enough points, even in limited time on the field, that they'll still be able to win. But I, if I was going to play anything, it would totally be both these dogs. Like how can you, I, even though even though it looks to be so favored the other way, I still think they can slow it down enough where they can have a chance to at least be in the game in the fourth quarter, which is all you want with seven and a half points. By the way, a. Uh... Uh, underdog parlay only plays 13 to one Packers Titans winning outright. That feels like you should get more than that. I mean, that's a lot, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. It does feel like you should get more than that. A, uh, it does feel too easy. I'll tell you that to, to like tease the 49ers and the chiefs seven point tease. It's like 260 to win two, or a hundred to win 160 to win a hundred or 130 to win a hundred or something like that. Like that feels too easy. Like the, the two favorites are just going to roll. I, I and it really happens. The playoffs, things change, man. You know, look at how the Ravens. I mean, I know it's, it, but you change sometimes. And that's the hardest thing for teams to do is stay true to what they've been doing, which is why I give the Titans, I think the Titans would be less tempted to do anything different than maybe any other team of the three because it's been a formula which has been so set in, set in stone for them. And they just, they believe in it. And that's, and I think there will be temptations for other teams to say, let me add this wrinkle or let me try this one or you get a little bit uptight. 
this team is playing with house money, and that is a great place to be. And I think if you're the Chiefs too, you're like that guy. You're like you're like in a you're up two holes with, or like you're up a hole with two to go, and you know it. Or you're up a you know like if you're on a golf golf metaphor, but you're you're leading by two strokes or three holes to go, and you know it. And so like it's not like that doesn't cause you to set. Like I just think the Chiefs look at this setup. They're like, holy cow, we have to win two more games against the Titans, maybe the Packers or the 49ers, and Andy Reid gets his Super Bowl. And I don't think that causes you to focus and relax. I think it causes you to tense up even more. Whereas you're right. The Titans just, why would <laughs> they shouldn't be here? And they know it. Right. And that's why you've seen kind of these unlikely runs before in sports because the pressure is on the Chiefs, like all over the Chiefs. And, you know, if you do start playing not to, not to lose as opposed mm-hmm. to going out there and trying to win, it changes what you are. But I do feel like, with Mahomes at the helm and the athletes that they have, even saying that they could get off to a slow start just like they did against the Texans. And I think the Texans game actually helps them yes. rid themselves of that mentality where they say, you know what, we're just, you know, we're kind of meant to be and we just saw we had all this momentum. So I do think there's the aspect they carry that mojo into them just the same way the Titans are, which makes it a fantastic game. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that being down 24 nothing, like you get a sense of your own, your season's mortality. And it's time to get done. So, I mean, or like you realize it could have been, it could have been over and you come back and win, even if it's easily. I, I don't know though, like if you get down 24 nothing to the Titans, I don't think the Chiefs storm pack. Uh, we gotta get out of here. Danny's gotta go do work. CBS Sports HQ. Also radio. You wanna promote your radio show too while you're here? You can, people love it. Yeah, Mad Dog Radio, one to three. Mad Dog Sports. Go. Oh, you gotta get going. I'm sorry. I kept you long. Danny Cannell at Danny Cannell on Twitter. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Listen to his radio show, Mad Dog Sports Radio, one to three. Uh, I guess we'll talk to you next week, buddy. You got it, man.